I'm just kidding. That was the last one. Uh, all right, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 5 this morning. It's six words. I got six words for you. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There it is. Let's go ahead and look at that here this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you we can gather together as a family, worship you in and through your Son, the Lord Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. Lord, we don't take it lightly that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and he has all authority in heaven and on earth. There's no title above him that Christ's body is filling the earth, Lord, and what you're doing um, even now through this church, Lord. And uh, we pray that uh, these words from the Lord Jesus morning, go out of my mouth, have an effect in our lives in Jesus' name. All right, so uh, last Sunday we started talking about uh, gospel basics, and uh, this sermon series is meant to go along with the class that we're having uh, this Sunday about membership, all right? So what we're trying to do uh, in this series is really just get to the core of Christianity, get to the heart um, of it. That's what we're trying to do. So I was talking with my brother uh, this past week, and he just retired from the Air Force, and uh, I had this series on my mind about gospel basics. So I asked him, I said, when you think about basic training, what comes to your mind? And he was like Johnny on the spot. He was like, attention to detail. That's what they taught me in uh, basic training. They taught me, they, they, they had to fold their tidy whities up until, this is a story he told me. Had to fold their tidy whities up into like a little square. Um, everything had to be exact, right? Even if it didn't make uh, make sense. So um, they were trying to teach him their core values throughout all that stuff, all the stuff that seems uh, not to make make any sense. So that when the time came, they would be ready to implement those values in whatever uh, whatever the Air Force was calling on them uh, to do. And really, that's what we're doing in this series. We're talking about the core, the core of Christianity, right? So let's look at our passage again in Ephesians 4, verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. So today we're going to focus on the second of those six, or the second little phrase there, one faith. That's what we're going to look at. Membership in the church starts with one faith. So the apostles that Jesus kind of handpicked who walked with him and talked with him, the apostles like the Apostle Paul, they laid the foundations of the church. They laid the foundations of the church, and we want to build upon that solid rock, that solid foundation. I'll show you where the, the Apostle Paul says something like that. 1 Corinthians 3.10. According to God's grace that was given to me, check this out, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. And another builds on it. That means there were pastors and leaders that came after the Apostle Paul, and they built on that foundation. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. And as a church, we want to be careful. We want to be careful to make sure we build on the right foundation of the apostles, the one faith, and we want to be careful about how we actually do that. Um, I had the privilege of speaking to the uh, Rotary Club uh, here recently, and I had, a, I had a great time hanging out with those folks. And I, I didn't know very much about the Rotary Club, but they have um, these four questions that they recite at the beginning of their 
meeting. And the four questions are meant to be like a guide to let them know what they should do, like right or wrong, in what they do uh, as a club. I found out that there's a formal process for becoming a, a member of the Rotary Club. And that's how it works when you want to become a part of any group. Any group you want to be a part of, you have to believe what they believe, and there's usually some type of process to some type of initiation to join uh, that group. It doesn't matter if you're here and you're, you're a Christian uh, or a non-Christian, that's, that's what it looks like to be a part of a group. You kind of believe the same things that that group uh, believes. All right? There might even be a process to become, belong to that group. So as a church, we believe in and we hold to the faith, the one faith that was handed down from the apostles of the Lord Jesus. So, if membership in a church starts with the one faith, the question is, what is the one faith? What is the one faith? So, here's kind of a way of thinking about it. it, it it's four parts. Four, four parts. And the first is creation. That we were made for God. That God is the source of everything that is good, beautiful, and true. You look at the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 4, heaven is opened up and they're praising God. And here's what they say in Revelation chapter 4. Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive praise, uh, glory, honor, and power. Because, here's why God is worthy. Because you have created all things. And by your will, everything exists. By the will, they exist and were created. See, God created all things. That is basic. That is the starting point. That God is the creator of all things. Uh, last Sunday was Mother's Day. I hope you did something nice for your mom. But uh, what I did was I uh, cooked deer burgers for my mom. That's what I wanted to do for my mom is, 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 is shower her with, with the gift of deer meat over an open flame. And it was, it was wonderful. We had a, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I benefited from it. But that's what we wanted to do. And in the beginning, God wanted to give us everything. All the, all the creation God gave to us is a wonderful gift. And the cherry on top is God wanted to give you himself. Which, if you think about it, is there's no greater gift. Nothing higher, nothing greater, nothing more beautiful, nothing more satisfying. That God created everything to give himself to you so that you could know him. This is mind-blowing. If you really think about it, that's true. Um, Augustine was a pastor in um, Africa in the, in the fourth century. And this is what he said in his book, The Confessions, which is a prayer. He said, you have made us for yourself. Think about that. You have made us for yourself, God. Oh, Lord, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. See that? That's true. That God made you for himself. And that your heart will be restless and not at peace until you recognize this basic thing that you were created for him, to know him. Right? We made those deer burgers for a purpose. The purpose was enjoyable food. You also have been created with a purpose. That is to know, honor, glorify, and enjoy the creator God. Right? You do not have to wonder why you're here on this earth. You do not have to wonder what your purpose is anymore. Your purpose is to know this God and to enjoy him forever. 
This is why you're here. God being our creator means that all people are created in his image with infinite value. This means everybody who's struggling with drugs out here in our community is, has infinite value and worth and ought to be treated as such. This means that everybody in our community that has a disability of some sort, physical, mental, I don't know, they, are, they have infinite value. Babies at conception have infinite value. People of all ethnicities and flavors of skin tone and culture infinite value and ought to be treated as such. God being our... I'm going to read part of our membership packet to you real quick. Is that okay? okay. All right, thank you. Uh, God being our creator teaches us that maleness and femaleness are both good and purposeful distinctions that should be held as a reflection of God's wisdom. In other words, God chose to create two sexes, not one. God chose to create male and female, not a thousand different ones. Male and female, God created us in the image of God. He created us. And our church seeks to uphold the distinction between men and women in ways that honor God's decision without, without obscuring His design. For example, as men, God designed maleness such that godly men are called to lead, to take the initiative in their families through sacrificial love, selfless service, tender affection, dependable provision. In a complementary way, ladies... God designed you such that a godly wife will find her greatest fulfillment through following and supporting her husband's leadership. So we honor God by honoring these differences between men and women. Uh, in the beginning, when God formed man from the ground and he breathed into him the breath of life, that word uh, form, Genesis was written in Hebrew, that word for form is the same word that's used for craftsmanship. So God created mankind and everything like a craftsman. It's a everything is a beautiful work of art, especially uh, humanity, the greatest uh, piece of art that he's ever, uh, ever created. Um, when I spoke at the Rotary Club, uh, they were very interested in the gallery and the mural on the wall, and, and they asked me about, you know, why do you have a gallery and things like that? And my response was, it is a conviction of ours based upon Scripture theological conviction that we ought to care about beauty because God created every beautiful thing that we see out here in this world. He created us, he created all, all, all of life, created the sunset. We ought to care about beauty because God does. Right? It doesn't mean we need to have an art gallery, but we ought, to, we ought to recognize that Jesus is Lord over both archery and he's Lord over art. Right? He, has, he, has, he has the goods in, in this area. Right, so that's why we have uh, the gallery. The gallery is meant to be our gift to the community. God gave us all these beautiful things in this world as a gift. So the gallery is meant to be a gift to the community. Right, to say, hey, we serve a, a beautiful Lord. Right? And we would like to tell you that uh, Jesus has Lord over everything. Right? Not just our, our spirits. That Jesus is Lord over the physical things as well as the spiritual. A while back... Uh, we, we went on a hike as a family to Devil's Nose. Anybody ever been to Devil's Nose? A couple people? Yeah. Um, so we were hiking to Devil's Nose, and I made a wrong turn. So four hours later, um, I kept telling, I knew we were lost. I kept telling everybody, hey, it's just a little bit farther. 
just a little bit far. We walked 10 miles. Uh, everybody fell at one point, but uh, except for me. But on the way back, um, my wife Audrey fell, right? And it was one of those moments where you know it's like inappropriate to laugh, but I have to confess that I could not control laughing. I even put my hands over my mouth, right? And my, my oldest daughter was standing there looking at me. <laughs> and she had enough. She had enough of the hike at that, at that point. Because that's not the first time I got us lost. But uh, my point is that all of humanity has had a great fall. That we have fallen from our original purpose and, and what we were created to be and do. All right, that's the second part of the one faith, that fall, that we were separated uh, from God. That this world is broken because of sin and because of evil in all kinds of ways. It's not what it's supposed to be. All right, but God in His grace has not given up on us. He has not given up on us, on any one of us, but has sent His Son, the Lord Jesus, as His plan to save this world. But... We were created to know him, enjoy him, and glorify him, but all of us have turned away from that. That's what the scriptures clearly say. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray from God. We've gone aside, we've turned aside to our own ways. That's what it says in Isaiah chapter 53. And this is why the world is the way it is, or why it's filled, uh, full of all kinds of evil. Psalm 51, verse 5, puts it like this Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. See that? I was sinful when my mother conceived me. So contrary to popular belief, human beings are not basically good. We do not have sunshine and light and beauty just flowing out of us uh, all the time. Right? That's not the way it works. You know that's true uh, in your own life. If you think that human beings are basically good, we have... Lots of needs, or well, we don't have lots of needs, but we do have needs in, in child care, and we can let you um, put, your, put your beliefs to the test back in child care uh, on Sunday mornings, right? It's not just certain people's kids, it's everybody's kids, right? Think about it. Humanity is what theologians have called depraved, right? We are, we are depraved. And here's what this means. It doesn't mean that we are as bad as we possibly could be. No, God in His grace doesn't allow that. He helps us to be Better than we, we are in our sins. But here's what it means. Sin affects and pervades every aspect uh, of our lives. So it doesn't matter if, if you're here, if you're a Christian or not. When you're a Christian, you're forgiven of your sins. You have the ability to put sin to death in your life, to say no to it. But here's the deal. It still affects your life. You you're still uh, have sin uh, in your life. So there's never a time in your life where you can just say, well, I'm good. I don't need to fight sin anymore. I'm good. I can, I can put cruise control on. And I can just coast. I don't have to fight it in my life, repent of it, confess it, or any, anything like that. And this is why we are constantly talking uh, as a church about the importance of having genuine relationships, right? That here's the deal. I, as a pastor, and we as a church, here's what we all agree on. We're all sinners, and we still sin all the time, every week. So in order to make any progress and be like really authentic and really genuine friends, we have to open up our lives a little bit and be real about who we really are, all right? And this is why we uh, are constantly promoting community groups here, because here's the deal. You need wisdom from other brothers and sisters in Christ. 
You need sometimes, you need to just tell somebody, I need someone to pray for me right now. Right? You need to be able to confess, I'm struggling with this, or I did this today. I feel horrible about it. You need to be encouraged every week, all week long. You need encouragement. You need someone to hold you accountable and say, what's up with that? Tell me, what's, what's going on with that? All right? Someone to challenge you and, and rebuke you when you get off course. Listen to Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 14. My brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to instruct one another. So here, the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Rome, and he says, hey, listen, I know you guys are able to instruct one another. So as a church, right, we ought to be able to encourage one another and instruct one another in the one faith and in, in the way we ought, to, we ought to go. The plan of God to rescue and save us is called the gospel. The gospel. So, number three, redemption, rescue by God. Here's the good news of the Scriptures, that Jesus Christ has won the battle over our sin. That He has won the victory. The battle that we were unable to fight and unwilling to fight, Jesus has won on our behalf. That is the good news. And His, His victory is given to everybody who believes in Him. Everybody who's trusts in Him, Jesus has won the victory um, for you. The Gospel... That word simply means good news. That is what the Bible is all about. Cover to cover, the contents of the Bible are the good news of God's plan of rescue and redemption in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why every week when you come in here, guess what you're going to hear about? The Gospel. You're going to hear about Jesus. Because when we, when we open this book up, you know what it's about? Well, it's about what Jesus said it about. It's about Him. It's about the good news. Right? And that's why we're going to preach, preach the gospel. Uh, this is what Apostle Paul said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason to boast. Look at this. Because I'm compelled to preach. I'm compelled to preach. Look at this. Woe to me. May I be cursed. May I be damned by God if I do not preach the gospel. That's how he felt about it. I must. I'm compelled. May God judge me if I do not preach the gospel. Um, you know, at times I think I, I get busy and uh, maybe I'm just not aware, not aware of my surroundings, but man, we live in a beautiful place. We live in an incredibly beautiful place. And I know it happens to you too throughout the week, or maybe sometimes you have a moment where you're awakened to your surroundings and you're like, that's beautiful. Right? It happens to us all the time. I love every Sunday morning I get up early. I go out to my office to work on my sermon a little bit. And almost every Sunday morning I walk out there, I'm like, man, this is incredible. Birds are singing in the trees. The sun's coming up. It's just gorgeous. Just gorgeous. Right? But we do the same thing with the gospel at times. Right? Maybe we get busy, we get distracted, or, you know, we're, we're living in sin, or somehow the good news of Jesus gets clouded uh, from our vision. Now, if what I said sounds boring to you, or why would we do that, why would we preach the gospel every Sunday, or just, we're always going to be about Jesus as a church, um, 
I, I think one of the big reasons for that, especially if you have a background in the church, maybe you grew up in the church, you're familiar with things like the Bible, church services, all that stuff, is there, it's very easy to mistake the gospel with religion. That's not what we're doing here. Right? Religion is, man, if I'm doing good, if the scales are tipping for me, right, then I'm good with God. Oh, but if I'm doing bad, then I think God is upset with me. Right? That's, that's religion. Right? If you're, you're, always, you're always like schizophrenic. You're up and down. You, you know, when you're doing good, you feel good. When you're doing bad, you're down in the, you're down in the dumps. That's, that is religion. Right? Religion is if we're good for God or the spirits or whatever's out there, then he'll be good to us. And that could not be farther from the heart of this book, the heart of the Bible. The gospel, the good news is this, that God loved us while we were sinners. God didn't wait for us to clean up our lives or clean up our sin to love us. Right? He didn't say, man, they're doing great. It's time for my son to die for their sins. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Romans chapter eight, or chapter 5, verse 8 puts it like this. This is such a beautiful passage. God proves his love. God, God has proven his love for the world and for you when you became a good person. Is that what it says? No. Wow. We were still sinners. Christ died for us. Think about that. That is the gospel. That is the scandalous news of the Bible. And it is absolutely wonderful. It's absolutely beautiful. Listen, here's, here's the deal. God has already done everything that is necessary to save you from your sins. And it's all a gift. He says, look, I want to give you this gift of my son, of his death on the cross, his burial, his resurrection. For you, I want to give you this gift. And you know what happens when someone gives you a gift, right? What is the appropriate response? Thank you. Thank you for this gift. That was very thoughtful of you. You know, that's all you got to do. It, maybe you need to do that here this morning for the first time. Let's just say, Lord, thank you. I, I'm going to receive it today. Right? And maybe you're confused at whether you have believed or not. Well, believe it today. How about that? Now, believe it today and the, the rest of your life. Receive it into your life and just say, thank you, God, for dying for a sinner uh, like, like me. Some people misunderstand the gospel, simply thinking that it's the way that you become a Christian, and I'll leave it there the rest of my Christian life. Jesus, cross, great, that's how I got started. Now let me get on to the deeper thing. Right? Some people sometimes say that the gospel is the ABCs of Christianity. You ever heard anybody say this? It's the ABCs, right? That you admit you're a sinner, believe that Jesus died for you, and you confess him as Savior and Lord. And that is truly lacking. That is significantly lacking. Because the gospel is not the ABCs of salvation, as someone else has said, but it's the A through Z salvation. We never get past it. We never get beyond it. So that growing in your faith Maturing as a Christian doesn't mean just starting with the gospel. It means that you come to understand how deep it is and how far it is and how wide it is and how high it is and you just continue to plumb the depths of it because it's, a, it's bottomless. 
It's infinite, the love of God in Christ. The gospel is all of who Christ is, all of who Jesus is, and all that he's done for all, all of life. Every area of life, every moment of life, every situation in life, and every circumstance in life, every struggle in life, you need the gospel. Right? It's all about Christ for all of life. Um, justification. I got a lot of content here this morning. You, you guys follow me? Everybody all right? Justification is the Bible's word uh, that's used, and it talks about when we're made right with God. Made right with God. It's when God declares us to be righteous. God, because of his son, the Lord Jesus, when we believe in him, says that person is right. Matter of fact, their lives are sandwiched up with Jesus, and they're as good as my son is now, my sight. Right? And it is a beautiful thing. Romans chapter 3, verse 24 puts it like this. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And here's how this is made possible. This is made possible because Jesus Christ has obeyed, has been faithful, has trusted God in every area where we failed. So he lived the life that we all should have lived. And then at the cross, Jesus Christ took your place. Passively, he received the judgment that we all deserve. He received the wrath of God, the hell that was meant for us. And he died. He took that judgment and that curse down into the grave. The good news of the gospel is that Christ is risen from the dead, and he's alive. And here's what that means, that he has fully and completely accomplished our salvation. Right? It's proof, proof that he, he has accomplished this. Being right with God comes through faith alone, not through any effort on our part, not through any earning, not through any religion or effort or, or, or tradition or rituals. It is solely by resting in what he did for you on your behalf, not in anything that you do. Look at this passage. They are justified freely by his grace. It's a gift that God gives to you. You just need to open it up and be like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for this wonderful gift. Now, even though I'm a sinner, boom, you say, not guilty. Matter of fact, you are, you're right with me now. Uh, we have several blue, uh, blueberry bushes in our garden. And uh, I think one died uh, this spring. There's no life on it. All the other ones have leaves and little blueberries uh, forming. Uh, but this one doesn't have any life. When you are justified in God's sight, that always has life. Right? That always has life and always bears fruit. So if you are truly a Christian, you're truly saved, truly justified, there's going to be some type of fruit that's born out in your life. And that fruit looks like a wholehearted love for God. You love Him now. You worship Him. You want to know Him and pursue Him and seek Him and honor Him. Right? And you want to and are joyful and happy about submitting to Him as Lord. Yes, I get to obey God. Hallelujah. His, his commands are amazing. They're life-giving. And this is why. The person who is truly justified, truly made right in God's sight, got a new heart. You, you become a new person. That when you are justified, God gives you a new heart and a new spirit. He puts his heart in you, his spirit, and you want to obey. Right? Matter of fact, he causes you to want to do uh, what he wants you to do. And this is all the work of the Holy Spirit. 
Thank God for the Holy Spirit. We couldn't do none of this without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gets up inside of our hearts and our lives, and he just does a complete demolition, a complete renovation, just makes us completely new over the course of our lives. Praise God for that. There is no such thing as a forgiven sinner who does not have a new heart and a new life. Absolutely not. And God says the evidence that you have a new heart, the evidence that you've been justified is born out in your life. It's born out in your real life. You'll demonstrate it in your life. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, notice it's one fruit has all these flavors. One fruit has multiple flavors. Love means you will love other people. Joy. Christians ought to be the most joyful people. Walking. It doesn't mean that we don't go through hard times and stuff like that, but we ought not be humdrum, depressed all the time, and overly sad. We ought to be celebrating and joyful. Peace. Peace. Patience with other people. Kindness to them. Goodness. Faithfulness. Jesus Christ died for the church. He died for His church. Right? So His death on the cross for us as sinners does away with every reason that we have for separating ourselves from the church. Separating ourselves from one another. And not being a part of a church. Right? He does away with every reason for that. So, God created you for relationships. Created you for community. Jesus died to redeem you to be a part of his community that he is building in and through church. Titus chapter 2, verse 14 puts it like this He gave himself for us to redeem us. Jesus did. From all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself an individual. He did this to cleanse for himself a person. No, it says a people. See that? Jesus Jesus didn't just die for you. He died to cleanse for himself people. This has always been God's, God's plan. So being actively involved in a church isn't really an option for a real Christian. No, that's, that's not what that verse says. All right, no, being, being a Christian means actively involved and participating uh, in the life of the church. This is what we got to grow into and mature into as believers. Number four is renewal on mission with God. Number four, this is the fourth part of the one faith. God did not send Jesus into the world so that you could be beamed up out of the world. That's not why he sent Jesus into the world. God sent Jesus into the world to rescue a people for himself so that the church could be like an appetizer. All right? You guys like appetizers? I love appetizers. Maybe some chicken wings, really good chicken wings. Right? And the appetizer is just meant to whet your appetite for the main course. Right? And that is what the church is supposed to be like. The church is supposed to be a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth, the new world that God is bringing about in and through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You guys are like a trailer for a movie. We're saying, hey, this is what's going down here. Jesus is coming from heaven to earth, and we are the beginning of this new creation, this new heavens and this new earth. When I asked my brother about boot camp, uh, one of the other things he said is you have to learn about the importance of teamwork. 
Because when your time comes to be called upon uh, in the Air Force, you've got to know how to work together uh, with, with other people, right? And, and right as he was retired, he probably had one of the biggest challenges that was ever uh, put before him with, the, um, with the, us uh, removing our troops from Afghanistan. He was in Germany. It was one of the main places that all the refugees uh, came. So within a couple of days, they had to build a city with infrastructure for 36,000 people. You think about the teamwork that that took. And I actually have some pictures of this, of what they built, I think. There's 36,000 very needy, hungry, thirsty people uh, that they, they rescued as a, as a, as a team uh, effort. You know, that was their mission. Jesus Christ has given us an even greater mission. Here it is. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. This is the mission of the church. The mission of the church, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. You see it right there. The mission of the church is to make disciples. And here's what, the, here's what that means. Our mission as a church is to make little apprentices of Jesus. People that come alongside Jesus and learn about who he is and how he wants things to go down, and how he wants us to live and love him and love one another. And this happens as we share the good news. As we as a church share the good news of the gospel, people come to believe in him for the first time. And you know what? That's a team effort. It takes a whole team. It took all, everybody at the, that, that Air Force base in Germany to pull that off. And my brother sent me a video of the chaplain driving around on a side-by-side handing out popsicles to all the workers and everybody. Right? And I said, I said that I'm sure that was much appreciated. That's a part of the team, too. Someone had to go around and be the, you know, the encourager. Hey, man, you want a popsicle on this hot day? So as we seek to share the gospel, someone's got to open the door. Someone's got to be, like, really friendly and not have a scary beard and, and look crazy like me. Yeah, someone has to be, like, more welcoming than me, uh, you know. Someone's got to maybe make some food and provide a nice meal. But then someone in here I know is really excited about sharing about how Jesus changed their life. That's how it, that's how it always goes down. Welcome folks in. Hang out. We have this art uh, gallery, this new show coming in, and we're going to be friendly to people and welcome them no matter who they are, and, and maybe they'll say, man, something's going on here. I, I want to know what that is. When people believe the gospel, we baptize them, which is really their entrance in the local church. Baptism is the doorway into the church. When you get baptized, you say, hey, I want to get down with what you guys are getting down with, and I'm confessing Jesus as Lord as well. And if you're here and you have not been baptized, and you have come to believe in Jesus, we will be celebrating baptisms uh, in July. We're going to put it on your calendar. We would love to celebrate uh, what God is doing in your life. And then we apprentice them in the church. Right? They come alongside us as we follow Jesus, and we help them. We teach them to obey everything that Jesus has taught us to obey, which means the whole Bible. We teach them everything that uh, God says uh, 
in, in the Word. And, and when someone is baptized, when someone is baptized, they come into the church, and an ongoing, continual sign that someone confesses Jesus as Lord, and they continue to believe in this one faith, is the Lord's Supper. So every Sunday, we celebrate communion the Lord's Supper. So it's take, every time we dip that bread into that cup, that person is saying, I still believe the gospel. And we are saying together, we all believe it. We all hold to the one faith and that we want to be united together uh, around that. Now, when uh, the Air Force built that refugee camp, that was not meant to be a permanent situation. Matter of fact, that's not there anymore. Right? It would have been a mistake on their part to just set up permanent housing there on the Air Force base. Right? And there's all kinds of ways that people uh, go astray when it comes to the mission of the church or what God wants the church to do. One way that we go astray is thinking that the church is a bunker. Right? Like this is a safe house. Like it's a fallout shelter to get away uh, from all the craziness in the world. By the way, this building is not the church. You are the church. The church is people who have come together that have committed their lives to Jesus and to one another and said, we're going to be on mission for Jesus together. So this building, is we didn't renovate this space and buy this to get away from the world. No. no we, got it. We, we are here um, to lay out the appetizers for everybody and say, hey, would you, would you like to come and taste these appetizers of the coming kingdom of Christ, new heavens and the new earth? This is to be a, a public witness for Jesus right here. So this means that we don't want to engage this community around here as if they were our enemies. And, and, and come on Sunday morning and I'm going to hand out uh, picket signs and we can yell at everybody and tell them about how they're all going to hell. That is not w what we ought to do, right? On the flip side, another way that the church goes astray is being buddy-buddy with the world. Never speaking the truth, being ashamed of the Bible, not saying anything like I did about... Um, Sexuality and gender uh, a minute ago, or sin, or hell, or creation, or anything like that. Right? We're not to be buddy-buddy with the world, um, but we are to be unashamed to talk about the things that the world says um, the church can't talk about, or is offensive, or some type of phobia, or some type of hatred. No, we stand on the Scriptures. We want to be both truthful and loving. Or publicly faithful to God in this community. That's what it looks like. We are here to be publicly faithful to God. This is why we're right here in this corner. We've been talking about this for over a year. We're doing this because we want to be right here on this block and be as public as everyone else. We want to be here on this block and here downtown and be as public as the uh, fairy festival that happened uh, yesterday uh, downtown. Yeah. I came, I came back from, uh, I was out of town in Morgantown. I came down to town, and I saw someone uh, wearing fairy wings. And I thought, this is completely normal. This is completely normal for hundreds of people to be running around uh, downtown our community and to be wearing uh, fairy wings. Um, we want to be as public as that about Jesus and tell them that Jesus loved it, loves them and know they cannot be fairies. Okay? Someone said amen. That's great. So, um, we want to live in every area of our lives as faithful, committed citizens of Jesus' kingdom. So that means at home with your kids. 
You're, you're a Christian. You've got to act like it. Right? And repent and apologize when you don't. And, and reconcile with one another. In your marriage, on your job, you need to act like a Christian and display the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Out in the community, when you're driving, when you're hanging out, when you're at the restaurant, or whatever you're doing, you are a representative of the kingdom of Christ. You are an appetizer. So, you want to be a good appetizer, don't you? That's what we want to be. We want to, we want to be, we want the aroma of the appetizer to waft throughout the community. Which is a clear sign of what Jesus is doing in and through the church. Let me encourage you with this and I'll be done. Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne of heaven right now, which means He's in control. He is Lord. He is the boss. And He says from the throne of heaven, Behold, I am making everything new. And you know what? He's doing that through the church. Jesus Christ is making the entire universe new again, and He uses the church. That is amazing. He invites you. He invites you into what He's doing. How crazy is that? And He invites you to participate in His renewal of all things. Look, listen, look at that Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavens. Now, there's a boatload in that, that text right there. But what is clear is, is that through the church, God is wanting to show off His beauty, show off grace, love, forgiveness, wisdom, glory. Not only to a watching world, but to the watching heavens. See that? To the rulers and authorities in the heavens. That all of heaven, all of heaven stoops down. Like, man, this is awesome. Look at what God is doing. Look at what Jesus is doing through the church. That's amazing. God has chosen to use churches like ours as, as an examples of His grace and His mercy and His transforming power and His glory to a watching world. So think about it. Jesus' work on the cross, His death, His burial, and His resurrection completely annihilates and abolishes every reason that we have to be apathetic towards the church apathetic towards one another or alienated from one another because Jesus died to bring us all together so that we might share the one Lord and the one faith and the one baptism. That is, Jesus unites people who are different than one another. That is awesome. You're not going to find it anyplace else. Different from one another in all ways. Different ages, He unites together in the same church. Different cultures, He unites together in the same church. Different skin colors. He unites together in the same church. Different perspectives. He unites together in the same church. That is a beautiful thing. Different classes of people. People who have different amounts of money in their bank account. And that is a beautiful thing. He brings us all together so that we might share the one faith that we just talked about. About God the Creator who redeemed us from the fall in and through His Son, the Lord Jesus unites us together as a people, as a church, sends us out to be publicly faithful here in this community. That's what we're going to respond to now.